As you enter the church, you dip the fingers of your right hand into a font of water and mark yourself with the sign of the cross. of time, a history of India's Christian art. My name is Anirudh Kanasati. This episode of The Altar of Time will start at the doorpost of the church take you right up to the altar and back through the root of faith to the hearts of the believing congregation. All through a simple metal utensil, the holy water font. What is holy water? Like with many elements of Christian worship today, its origins lie in earlier Judaic traditions. Some hints are found in chapter 40, verses 30 to 32 of the Old Testament book of Exodus, which is an account of the epic journey of the sons of Israel out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. This is a journey so culturally influential that the book lends its name to the modern English word for mass migration. Exodus describes a basin of water kept between the Ark of the Covenant and the space where the public gathered for worship in the first temple of the Jews. The Ark of the Covenant was a large box-like structure believed to contain the stone tablets on which the Ten Commandments were inscribed. It represented the presence of God and later became central to subsequent Jewish temple and Christian church design. Its location or position within the building became the focal point of architecture and the congregation's attention. Priests were to wash their hands and feet in a basin of water before approaching the sanctum, never mind that the first temple of the Jews was a makeshift tent, which according to scripture was part of a city of tents where the sons of Israel lived as they wandered through the desert for 40 years, a punishment from God for doubting him. Though scholars debate the historicity of the Old Testament's depiction of the Israeli's exile, it's very likely that the idea of a basin of water originated among a culture that was used to living in the hot, dusty lands of the Levant. This ritual trickled down through the ages, from Judaism to both Christianity and Islam, taking on spectacular articulations in sculpture, art objects, and architecture. Of course, since the Levant was in many ways a crossroads between Europe and Asia, other cultures did influence it as well, as we've seen in other episodes of The Altar of Time. There are primarily three types of holy water containers. The stationary, the portable, and the private. The stationary or fixed font evolves from a large Roman courtyard called the atrium, which had a fountain in the center, not very different from the ablution chambers in mosques today. Like the Jews of the Old Testament, the atrium was a much-needed space for Christians in early medieval Europe, and who would need a place to wash off the dust of the journey. 
Walled in by arched porticos, the atrium became a space of transition from the outside world into the sacred, a reminder to leave the mundane worries of the world behind. It sometimes also became a space for public meetings, for teaching the tenets of the faith to new converts, and for political discourse. Eventually, the atrium was absorbed and enclosed into the privacy of the abbey, but its vestiges and remain in function in the form of baptismal fonts and porticos at the entrance of or surrounding churches. As churches grew smaller and more functional, the stationary font lost its free-standing status and was sequestered to a niche on a wall or besides the doors of the church. Before we return to Goa, let's make two diversions. First, to Vatican City, where a huge bronze pinecone fountain called the Fontagna della Peña is housed. The Fontagna was part of the fixed font in the atrium of the earliest 4th century CE Basilica of St. Peter's in Rome. In Roman art, pinecones symbolized resurrection and eternal life because they contained the seeds of new pine trees. The fountain is flanked by two bronze peacocks, another symbol of the resurrection of Christ, and is believed to have originally stood near the Pantheon, next to the Temple of Isis, and is even referred to in Dante's 15th century work, The Divine Comedy. The next diversion we need to make is to the Church of Saint-Sulpice at Paris, where two halves of a shell known as the Tridacna Gigas, a mollusk indigenous to Oceania and obtained through colonial trade, serve as fonts. They were gifts from the Republic of Venice to the French King Francis I in the 16th century CE. Incidentally, a similar font also exists in the Church of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, Oregreja de Nossa Senhora da Immaculada Conciaio and Panjim Goa. In Goa, such fonts were probably donated by seafaring parish members, possibly as an act of gratitude to God or to establish themselves in the community. Interestingly, since the late 19th century, a number of studies have suggested that fonts have a thriving ecosystem of bacteria due to their use by large numbers of people, and many of these bacteria could potentially cause infections to human beings. Twice in history, during the swine flu epidemic of 2009 and during the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 onwards, the use of fonts have been actively discouraged. This is ironic, considering that the word font itself takes its roots in the idea of the fountain, a source of fresh water, with healing and miraculous properties. Private holy water containers, not designed for use by congregations, may take the form of large urns or small vials for portable altars and kits for emergency visitations of the sick, which would be blessed with water for healing. The Museum of Christian Art has examples of both in its collection. One of these is a 19th century portable font designed for use in a church. It's not a fixed font, however. It consists of an aspersorium, also known as a situla or holy water bucket, coupled with an aspergillum or aspergill, a baton-like liturgical implement used to sprinkle holy water. This portable font has its origins in the medieval period in Europe, where holy water was held in such respect that it was not even taken from the font unless by means of a holy water sprinkler attached to it by a small chain. Of course, like so many things in Christianity, the Aspersorium has ancient origins, specifically the laurel branches used by Hellenic priests. 
the Jewish priests of the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 14, verses 3 to 7, used a live bird and hyssop tied to a cedar wood stick, which was then dipped into the blood of the bird after it was sacrificed. It would seem that by about the 13th century, the Aspasodium assumed the modern form of a stick surmounted by a rose covered with bristles. At least, that is what we infer from miniatures. From this time onwards, holy water fonts have usually been accompanied with Aspasodiums, and it is from these origins in 13th century Europe that the basic concept diffused across the world from the 16th century onwards. The stationary holy water font, like the Fontagna della Peña that we discussed earlier, represents a centralization of faith, a gathering together of the believers into one structure, a ritualistic entry into the church. However, the Aspergillum and Situla represent a democratization of faith, a journey from the inaccessible altar out into the hearts and homes of the faithful. These utensils would accompany a priest walking down from the altar and around his congregation and were used to sprinkle holy water on the congregation at baptisms and feast days, on couples and their wedding rings at marriages, and on coffins, corpses, and graves at funerals. In the homes of the faithful, in the absence of a priest, a private holy water container would perform the same task, bringing the presence of God to his faithful through the hands of ordinary people. Holy water is sacramental, an object or action ritually blessed to signal its association with the sacraments, and thus to incite a reverence during acts of worship. The water itself is not magical. Its power depends on the prayers, faith, and devotion of the person who uses it. This belief is concretized and repeated with hymns and chants sung during these blessings, most based on the book of Ezekiel, chapter 47, verse 1, which suggests that this water healed whoever came in contact with it. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw water flowing out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. The water flowed out toward the right side of the temple to the south of the altar. What is perhaps most striking about the portable font in the museum's collection is how similar it looks to metalware from a Hindu temple. It appears to have been fashioned by casting molten brass in a clay mold and then joining together the basin and the plain rounded base, which is a technique still used for temple metalware today. The font is overall functional and devoid of ornamentation. Though details of its workmanship do not survive, it was possibly cast by a local craftsman sometime in the 19th century. Ironically, this was around the same time that another colonial power, Britain, was brutally establishing its paramounts in India and emphasizing its difference from and superiority over Indian cultures and religions. This quiet, unassuming font, whose waters would have been so suffused with prayers and beliefs by Indians of Portuguese descent, and which was crafted by an Indian using Indian techniques, is a silent reminder of the many different possible ways in which colonial powers have sought to engage with South Asia.